Hello, and welcome back to the Mean Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Shawnee B, and our guest today for the Prospecting Series is Taylor Kramer. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. So today I just want to get an idea of what's going on in your mind, kind of understand your intellectual diet and where the holes are, where the, where the strong points are. Um, so feel free to turn around any questions that you like back at me, and uh, we'll just get started. Sounds good. Um, do you trust the mainstream media? Ooh. Um, short answer, no. Um, but on that, like, I think it's good to just consume a variety of media and then try to form my own opinion, which can be weird and difficult. I'm very confident in my opinions, often not right. <laughs> and it's good to hear what other people think isn't that comforting yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah. i try to take everything with a grain of salt like you gotta look at who you're getting it from and what incentivizes whatever you're hearing and like i do like i look at google news every day and it's the easiest way for me to just kind of get a blanket of kind of what's going on that i probably don't care about and probably doesn't really concern me but it's something that it's probably one of the most consistent things i just look at just a glance at any big topics who's posting them and obviously like that's filtered by whoever decides what to put there and do you dwell on the fact that you know you're you don't trust your opinion or do you just kind of forget about it for the most part yeah i generally like honestly i'm not a huge like i try to keep up on what's going on in the world and have a general sense but i don't try to dive too much into it and really take too much for it i kind of just get a basic of like oh what's going on oh like these things interesting move on with my day and what what are the news sources or media sources that you tend to lean on the most um most of my stuff is probably like I don't listen to a ton of news podcasts. I'm not big on like Wall Street Journal or any of the daily talk ones. I kind of just look at Google News, click on stuff if I'm interested in it, if it applies to something I care about. And then I get a lot of my news, honestly, probably from Instagram. Like just scrolling, seeing what people are saying is going on, seeing different things that people I follow are posting about. And then I like to, I stay up to date on cycling news is one of the, few things right now i stay up to date on football because i'm doing fantasy football with some friends so see what running back is going where sure but that's like very specific to what i'm paying attention to and but like for global news it's probably mostly just google news and if i hear something from someone else that interests me i'll search into it a little bit see what people are staying saying i generally stay out of political news because that's just a rabbit hole that <laughs> it's... and i yeah, it's pretty it's pretty daunting. Yeah, it's daunting and I I know every source I'm looking at political news is probably biased in some way and it's hard for me to I don't generally have the time I would like to spend to figure out what I should or where my opinion should fall just because like this person's saying this, this person's saying this, they both have their own reasons, but then to figure out like what those reasons are, I feel like the difference in time commitment to just get a quick glance like this is going on, all right? versus like fully understanding it is a little daunting to me often so i don't 
want to invest that much of my time to figure out something that maybe doesn't affect me that much or actually have much of a role in my day-to-day. Long-term, politics definitely affects what happens and what goes on. But Right. But, yeah, it's it's really hard because it's so complex and so large that it it feels like you almost have to be like a intellectual superhero in order to have any idea. Yeah, it's, I think it's like overwhelming enough that like the time commitment that I feel like I would need to spend to really understand it is past what I'm willing to commit. Sure. What do you feel about the idea of having a presidential age limit of like 65 or 60? I think I'd be a fan. I think we're getting to this point where like the only people we ever vote on to even be president are so old, are old because you have to be such a, you have to be in politics for so long to kind of get to that point of being president, it seems, that then when we're electing someone, they're pretty old and it's a little worrisome sometimes. What about like Andrew Yang or, or Tulsi Gabbard? Why do you think they didn't make it past the primaries? Well, I think, uh, like, I think it's hard because of the, like, I think the two-party system makes things difficult. Like, if you're not the Democratic or the Republican candidate, I think it's just, for lots of reasons that are way above my pay grade, <laughs> it's difficult. Like, I'm assuming financials play a huge role in it. And then if you just don't have one of those labels, I feel like you lose a ton of voters just by not being the candidate for one of those two big parties. Cause I think a lot of people just vote on a party basis and aren't actually as focused on the candidate. Would you be supportive of the idea of a voting system where if your primary choice doesn't win, then you actually have a secondary choice such that as someone who had less like, cause right now someone can win that ha- actually had less than 50% of the votes. Yeah, right. because of how it's split up, like right. Would do you think? Do you ever think about yeah. anything to do with reforming the actual? No, I think I'd I'd be a fan of having like a first choice and a second choice. Like you don't have to vote for one person; you could vote for multiple people, and then out of everyone's votes, whoever gets the most of whatever the two votes, however you split it up, would then be the candidate. Because I don't think I don't see anything wrong with having two votes right it, like it it's always scary to to say, to make a statement political statement but it's it's an itch, it'd be an interesting thing to consider right yeah it'd be interesting even to like do it on the side and just see what the results were and see if like people like like even if it wasn't how you're actually electing someone in that given election cycle if you could just see that data be like all right so with people with two votes this is who would have been elected because I think there'd also be a part where, like, so say you had three candidates and people really liked A and B, but then everyone's pretty ambivalent about C. So then everyone puts C as their second choice, but split between A and B. And then you could have a theoretical outcome where C was elected instead of A and B, just because everyone who was really juxtaposed about A and B voted C as their secondary. But then would anyone be exceptionally happy with that outcome? But that doesn't mean it's a bad outcome either. Like it could be good because everyone because maybe that's finding agreement between two opposed groups is that 
like half really liked A, half really liked B, but 100% were like, C's all right. Do a lot of your friends, do you have, do you have a lot of friends who disagree politically? Um, like, honestly, I think most of my friends, majority agree with me on most political things. I think just because we're in similar ecosystems, like you kind of, or at least I feel like I surround myself who do similar things to me, like similar things. But then I definitely have, I wouldn't say it's a majority of my friends, but I have a solid amount of my friends that disagree with me on all sorts of things. And how many of your friends do you think are more politically inclined than you are? Mm, I'd like to say a third of my friends, like a third of my friends. And I had lots, or I think more of my friends in college, right? Was in school. I had a couple of friends who focused significantly more on politics than me. and some of them agreed with me and some of them disagreed with me. And I actually enjoyed being around the ones that disagreed with me, like who spent more time looking into things and had different views than me. Cause I felt that was more beneficial to hear from people who were paying attention and disagreed with me to kind of like see what they thought and why they thought it and kind of be able to see like that other side of the spectrum that I don't, obviously research politics enough to feel super strongly in my opinions, but to hear from people who felt stronger than I did and also paid more attention, I thought that was pretty valuable. Do you have any idea why those people in specific cared? I think that's um a really good question. I really am not sure why. Like did, I, did they have some sort of did they did they think did they have some sort of competence? Like, did they think that they had a good grasp on it? Yeah, I think that was the interesting part is like, yeah, often like, I think that is true. Like the people who pay more attention to politics also thought they understood politics better. But I don't know if that was actually true. It's, I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like if you're a soccer player, but you think you suck at soccer, you're not going to keep playing. Yeah. Right. Like in order to like, pursue something most people have to think they're somewhat good at it yeah or at least getting better and gonna be good at it. uh-huh but then like also with like there's a there's a couple people I have in mind but they also like thought they understood very well but they're also open to my opinions that and like i was straightforward with them like i don't research this time but this is what i think and like i think we'd usually have pretty useful conversations just by bouncing back and forth like that. Like even though they thought they knew more and maybe they did, maybe they didn't, we're still open to opinions from other people who also disagree with them. And like sometimes these conversations were honestly like pretty heated. <laughs> like you're talking about politics, it hits close to home for some people. Like so it was it was really interesting, I think, just like talk about it. And like at the end of the day we're still friends we still got along like it was just something we could talk about and kind of get what, a little warmed up over why do you think people tend to get heated over politics mm. well i think i generally don't get very heated over politics but i think that's also because i generally don't care that much about politics i think it's the more investment you have in caring about it kind of correlates to how emotionally you get over different political things. I think it's also just depends on 
your environment? Like how much do these things actually affect you? And how much do you think they affect you? Or just strong opinions in general. I think lots of people have strong opinions about lots of things. And I'm pretty um loose in my opinions generally. Like I'm not, I guess there'd be, I'm sure there's things I'm very invested in and I would get emotional about, but there's lots of things that I could agree or disagree depending on what the reasoning is for a decision. Sure. And I, I think sometimes it's kind of a, a, a coping me- mechanism when people are unsure about their opinion, they get angry in an attempt to convince the other person. Um, but what is your most precious freedom change of change of subjects? Hmm. Like, and we won't hold you to the, you know, just <laughs> like what comes to mind, like when, yeah, like, what, what's like the most important freedom to you? What's the last one you're going to give up or the first one you're going to die for? Yeah, I think like just because we we're just talking about politics, so I'm thinking of political freedoms, but like freedom of speech is. Are you a freedom of speech absolutist? Like, do you, do you think that uh, people should be able to say whatever the hell they want on Twitter? I think there's even if um, it's like. Like supporting supporting like the January sixth Trump yeah like rally horrible or things I I think I do fall a little bit more towards absolutist seems like a strong word but I do like I think I don't think it's good to I think people should be able to say what they want to say and other people should be able to form opinions based on that like I don't like the idea of suppressing speech you don't agree with. Like, even though I I know there's cases where I'd probably be like, oh, but like, that's a pretty bad thing to say. And should they be allowed to say that? But I don't like the idea of like restricting people's access to information or not being able to hear from someone because they, and there's definitely a line there where like threatening people and like thing that is actually going to endanger people like that for me, like I don't want to see because speech can set up scenarios where people can get hurt and i would fall like more reserved on that where like if people are inciting violence or harm towards others maybe that shouldn't be free speech but also it's hard for me to say that people shouldn't be able to like voice their opinion and people should be open enough to see it as that's like vile and bad and people shouldn't listen to that but and then there's the question of who exercises these rules? Yeah, that's the hard part. Who right? gets like, to decide who gets to say what? Is it scary to you that Twitter gets to decide who gets to say what? Yeah, I think it's worrisome. Like that things that I get my information from, like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, can decide, Google can decide what information is shared on there. And they can blanket not show you stuff because they deem that as not responsible or dangerous. So, like, yeah, definitely. I think it's um, it's a huge role to be the person deciding what other people can and cannot see or hear. What is your, what's the closest thing to, like, a town hall, in, in a physical town hall? Is there anything that resembles that in, like, in Hood River, where we live, in your mind, for you? I think the closest thing, like, 
like to a physical town hall, like get together with people and talk about differing opinions. Like the closest thing that I get to that is like probably honestly like being at a bar or something and just like chatting with random people. And like generally that's not political or it's not like about anything like that, but just hearing different opinions, like just from sitting next to someone and chatting with them. Like I think um, ski lifts are another interesting one I think of because you just sit down next to someone random and you not talking about anything very important, but you're just chatting and you kind of get a feel like it's a five minute conversation. I mean, you kind of get a feel for like how their day's going, what they're up to, like maybe what their job is, what do they do? Like if you connect somewhere there, you could get a little more information. Like I, I feel like it's, it's uh you get a much better idea of what the person's true opinions are. The thing is that when humans get into groups, they are heavily swayed by whatever the group is thinking. So in the in the town hall scenario or or whatever, I mean, today the lack of a town hall means that it's hard for people to get on the same page in a in a physical place, and they more so do it online. So it it leads to maybe more extremist opinions. Um, yeah, I think definitely like online conversations, like you don't. For some reason, you don't feel as invested in what you're saying or as bound to it because you're not looking at another person saying this. Like you're not going to get punched in the face. Yeah, there's something about sitting like next to someone and saying something where if you say something that is very insulting, yeah, they might punch you in the face. And do you deserve that? Maybe. But online, there's none of that outcome. And I think like, but the other thing with like town halls or like, I think the internet's probably a similar dynamic is people tend to agree with the loudest voices in the room. Like whoever has the strongest opinions and cares the most, I feel like pull people to one opinion or the other where people, they they catalyze other people make the group think or care about something that maybe they really weren't that invested in, but right. It's like, it's like magnetizing a, a, a material that's not, natural that doesn't naturally have a magnetic polarity yeah like it might just sit in the middle but (laughs) but it's ready it's receptive to it yeah so you don't have strong political opinions yourself but what it what would be like your dream legacy like what would what would be the thing that you would leave behind if you know if everything went as well as it could yeah um, I think for me, like, personally, like, I think at some point in my life, I want to have kids. I think that would be the thing that I can, like, it'd be great to form some organization or group that does something fantastic, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> what would be something fantastic? Yeah, like, I think, like, <laughs> the big things right now that, like... Like, do you think about, like, hunger or, like like the wealth disparity or is is there a certain problem that really speaks to you or mental health or yeah i think like all three of those are like things that all like hunger is hard to um well you can see it in the united states but not like you do in other places like it's not as much of an issue and i think like it it almost seems like coming from where i've been raised and what i've experienced like the fact that there's tons of people who struggle with getting food is like Seems pretty ridiculous at times. Like right here, so it's we're literally drowning in food. Yeah, like 
we're eating too too much food. Yeah, like that's much more of a problem. Yeah, our problem is like we're eating too much. We have too sedentary or sedentary of lifestyles. But the fact that like there's tons of places in the world where it's the opposite problem seems like pretty ridiculous. And I feel like that's something that like should totally be solved. So, you, but you, it kind of, but it kind of plays into that economic disparity one where. Like, if you could solve the economic disparity, it seems like you'd probably also solve hunger because it's usually poverty and hunger are co-aligned. Sure, they're often related. So you said that you want to have kids. When, like, are you, like, waiting till you're 38? Like, you know, like... Yeah, there's no... Because it's not, you know, it's not like we can wait forever. No, yeah. Do you think about that at all? That it's, like, there is a ticking timer on it? Or, like... No, like not how really. how certain are you? I'm not even 100% certain. Like, as well as things where I think that is one way that, like, to pass on, like, your beliefs and your knowledge and what you feel is important is through children who you raise the best of your ability and kind of hope that you leave some lasting impression there. And I think that is one way to do that. But if I don't have kids, I'm not going to be upset. Other than finding someone, finding a mate to have kids with, what holds you back? Like, if you had the person today, yeah, you know, like, what would hold you back from having kids? Well, I think, like, partially, like, it's, the like, how to write for that commitment. Like, that's a huge responsibility, and you don't want to do a bad job of it. Right. I don't think you would have any trouble doing a good job. <laughs> I think, like, then also then, like, there's the financial part. Like, I need to be in a position where I feel like I could financially support right. more people. And I'm sh- and sh- surely you could support it. It'd be a matter of making sacrifices. What would be the sacrifices that you would be most unwilling, that you're, that you're unwilling to give up? Um, like, there's not, I think, um... I think in that situation, you got to be ready to sacrifice, or I would have to be ready to sacrifice most things. Like, whatever you have to do, you have to be willing to not do whatever it is to take care of kids or anyone else you're responsible for. Right. And you, yeah, you basically have to almost, well, you don't have to give up on yourself, but you have to be ready to give up on your, uh, or, or, put yourself very last and some people do an amazing job of prioritizing their individuality and their spouse's individuality and still being like complete individuals as well as parents yeah but it seems like most people in our community at least just fall head over heels into being a parent and they're not an individual hardly at all anymore yeah i think um I think that's a hard one. Like, I think from my perspective, like the responsibility of having kids, like you have to put yourself secondary, but you can manage. Like, I think if you do a good enough time managing your time and how you go about things, you can still like be the individual you are while supporting children in a responsible way. But is that easy? Like, absolutely not. Like, that's a lot of work. So another change, change of gears here. Do you think there's a realistic energy transition to renewable energy that does not include significant nuclear energy? 
Ooh, that's hard. Um, like, or or what are the biggest questions in order to, in your mind, in order to be able to answer that question? What are the unknowns? yeah, like nuclear is really good at making energy. Like that's for sure. Like, <laughs> nuclear energy is really <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> that is like that is, yes, that is true. <laughs> like you get a lot of energy based on the invet or the investment into it, but then you have the nuclear waste, and it's dealing with that problem. I think dams are dams are bad for tons of reasons. Dams produce tons of energy. Solar solar produces a lot of energy, but you have to be able to make the equipment and sustain it, which is a huge investment. And store you have to save it for and the all other, that the I other think, half half the day. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with making renewable energy economical and possible is better batteries. Like you have to be able to store the energy. So you need like high intake, low output. So you have some way to store a bunch of energy with very little loss and then bleed it out over time. Yep. After you've stored it. And that I think I think that's one of the biggest areas that things can improve right now is batteries. Like, lots of things are going electric. The batteries are all right, but generally made out of rare earth materials that we're going to run out of and are hard to get as they are. Like, lithium is not sustainable or great. Why do you say that? Well, it's just we're going to run out of lithium. There is plenty of lithium currently, and that's also... Pretty, that, that's interesting. I thought we had tons of lithium. I think we have a lot of it, and I'm not, I'm not well researched on lithium, so <laughs> I could be very well corrected on. But I know it's um, it's kind of volatile. Like there are, and it just mostly doesn't like a lithium battery has a life, and it's not super long. So as you use a lithium battery, like I think most electric cars, like. The expectancy is I think you replace a battery around five to ten years. And so then it's what do you do with like saying so you just need to put another one in. They're expensive. Just just put another battery. Yeah, just put another just battery in, but swap the double A. <laughs> yeah, and then like we just have all these batteries now that what like I know or I believe batteries would be pretty hard to recycle. So I'm pretty interested in what's gonna happen with batteries and I'm like at some point someone's going to make I'm pretty I believe pretty strongly that someone's going to figure out a better way to do batteries and that person's going to make an exceptionally large amount of money. Do you believe someone's going to make a better battery or you really, really hope someone is going to make a better battery? Both all the (laughs) above. Yeah, I hope someone will make a better battery and I also think someone will. And I think like. I know very little, but um, that's what Trenton's doing his PhD in. So he's been doing tons of battery research, and I understand very little of it, but it's interesting. And I, like, it's research. So a lot of these things, he would fully admittedly say, like, this is not feasible for large scale, but it's interesting the things you can make batteries out of that are not as rare or uncommon as some of the metals that are currently used. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. There's so many factors. Like, and I agree. It's I mean the the whole que- back back to the original question. It's like there's so many complex complex factors. Um, I think 
to I think the the thing that's interesting to me is that so many people are so dead certain that nuclear is a bad idea. That's what I was told my entire childhood until I recently opened my eyes and said and started thinking for myself and said, "Wait, is it a bad idea or is saying that nuclear is a bad idea actually a worse idea? Like is there another option?" And that's the thing is most most people tend to oversimplify this extremely complex system which then batteries is just a sub sub system yeah. of this extremely complex system and the supply chain and how you make them and the chemistry and the life right it's like yeah it's, it's just like how do you have any like yeah how do you form any sort of opinion on something like nuclear energy when it depends so greatly on something as complicated as batteries as well as a bunch of other things yeah i think it's yeah, I think renewable energy and energy in general is just a massive topic. Like, there's so much going on there. And I think I would like sustainable energy to work and that to be a solution because at some point we're going to run out of fossil fuels and coal and that's not going to be great. But it's it's just a huge topic. and And I'm not... I've also heard similar things like nuclear is bad. It's not safe. I've also heard like modern nuclear facilities and stuff are pretty safe and like make and like nuclear makes a ton of energy. So I think it's just kind of fine. And I think the I don't think any one of the options will be like, this is all we're going to do. I'd like to think that it's a variety of them with better energy storage of some fashion would be a solution to using fossil fuels and other things for energy. Are you supportive of making humans a multi-solar system species? Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think it's important? Or do you think I would that we sh Do you fall into the category of people that think that we should figure our shit out on this planet before we go to another planet. <laughs> um, kind of both. All but the above. <laughs> yeah, like I I support that like at some point in time, sure humanity could be a multi planet thing. But do I think it's like I was actually having this conversation the other day with someone at work, but like it, like currently like with the technology currently available it just doesn't seem feasible but and like we spend a ton of money going to space and trying to do those things but i also don't want to stop doing that because i think it gets a ton of research and development a ton of investment and in cool new technologies to do that but it is a huge investment to try like to even try to have that capability we spend an enormous amount of money as a planet and like resources, everything. But would I support the idea of at some point humans being on multiple planets? Yes. But I also agree with the part of we should figure out how to manage a planet. But I don't think the idea should be, oh, well, we'll destroy this one and go to another one and everything will be fine. Because that doesn't seem realistic just from a time point part of view like, Right. Could you I don't think anyone seriously argues that. Yeah, I think that's like probably like 
that's yeah. That's I don't just, think the idea would be that you could just like keep hopping and no. sustain civilization. I think you'd have to. I think the the reason I think it's interesting is because there's multiple countries on this planet with lo- with leaders that are lunatics that have the firepower to cause mass extinction, if not complete extinction, of our species. And to leave it up to their goodwill, my, our descendants' lives, right? It's yeah. like, if you think, if you think to ahead 500 years, they, it's hard to imagine that they would be disappointed in us for having tried to become multiplanetary. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, I think it's an exciting thing that like really gets people's minds think, like, I think just the, fact that we can think about being multiplanetary we're like 200 years ago that wasn't or that probably wasn't much of a thought or if it like i'm sure people were thinking about it because you can see the stars you can see that there's other things out there but it wasn't a feasible thing where now we can even like think like well it could be possible but like it'd be hard it would take a ton of investment i think keeping that track moving is probably important for humanity in lots of ways just that like it makes people think about it and research into things and maybe in researching something about space you learn something that would be very useful here or otherwise i think tons of cool technologies have been invented because we're trying to go to space like we have all sorts of like very interesting engineering things that come from nasa investing absurd bags of money and try and go to space but they're also very applicable for other things you're trying to do right and i also think that there is kind of more of a philosophical importance to being ambitious as a species because it drives motivation and inspiration and it drives investment and it it keeps it keeps the technological economy moving as opposed to having people start to get scared to invest because they're not that optimistic and that just like really screws thing up so i think it is pretty vital that people are optimistic about the future yeah and i think yeah i agree like people have to we have to have a want to try to do hard things or things that might seem impossible or difficult at this time what what percent of you is optimistic versus pessimistic about the world in 50 years in 2072? We're going to listen to this in 2072. So think carefully. <laughs> yeah. Currently, well, I'd like to be optimistic, but I feel a little pessimistic. Like there's a lot going on, but I'll, I'll say I'm 60% optimistic. Like that's not a super high. (laughs) No, it's not a super high number. I'm hedging my bets here for in 2072. What are you most pessimistic about? What do you like? What you know? Imagine yourself there in 2072. How old would you be? Oh shit. 70. Yeah, 76. Yeah, Yeah, 76. Um, you'd be retired. Yeah, things I'm most concerned about probably (laughs) are like, I think it's. The things that I could most, or I think that could like most violently change what humanity looks like is probably like world leaders. And I think that there's a couple. You think we'll have new world leaders? Oh, you're uh, saying. Yeah, like it just, yeah, the decisions they make. And I think there's a couple countries that could drastically change what the world looks like 
very quickly, and I think it's very dependent on how things play out in that political aspect for how things... Like, if a couple... If things went one way, I'd be very optimistic. If things went the other way, I'd be extremely pessimistic and worried. I think there's definitely some some other some countries out there that'll be powerful and curveballs, but I I'm fairly confident that the United States will be a very, very influential player, if not still the world superpower in twenty seventy two. Are you confident in our generation's ability to to carry the football into the end zone into retirement and pass it off to the next generation in a manner that's that's that like are you confident in your generation i'm i'm pretty confident in our generation to do good things and keep that ball rolling of what's been already done and try to keep doing like cool things like in technology try keeping things going in a political direction that is beneficial for people. I think our generation has the potential to do lots of good things. And I like to like being optimistic. I think things could be very good in 2072. I'm like, Recently, the only thing that worries me, like looking at stuff generation and generation, is just I, like how education is changing. And I think how I think we were right on the cusp of like how much influence phones and other pieces of technology had on us. Because like I got a phone in late middle school, I want to say, or around middle school time. I didn't have a phone in elementary school. And I'm very interested to see how the impact of phones, iPads, like what that does to kids and their development as a whole. I think like iPad babies are a thing, and I'm very interested to see what occurs with iPad babies. Like it could be great, it could not be great. I have really, I am not well educated enough to answer what the impact of that is, but it's different than how I spent my childhood time. I agree that that is really scary when you see a two-year-old with his eyes glued to a screen. Do you have, have you ever thought of a technique for, or a, or a, an approach of how you would introduce screens or, or, or di like devices to your child? Yeah, like I, I do not have a... <laughs> planner technique but i am taking recommendations like what i've seen like yeah i think it's concerning but it also there's a part of me that like you don't want to shelter someone so much that maybe when they do learn about this thing because it's obviously gonna happen at some point in their life like then they're overly obsessed with it because it's new it's different it's cool versus like i think kids should be exposed to it and whatever you can figure out is a healthy way. One thing that's been really interesting to me is one of my neighbors in the apartment building we're in, he has two young kids. One's probably preschool age. One's probably maybe second or third grade. And one thing I've like noticed because we're in an apartment building, we live right next door to each other, is I've never seen a screen on in that apartment or like never seen 
the kids, like, I don't think the kids have phones. I've never seen them with a phone or an iPad of any sort. They're often either just hanging out, like, doing something outside. They're going to sports practices all the time. And I, like, I'd like to commend their parents on, like, this. the kids seem very well engaged in plenty of activities that don't include a screen. Have you ever thought about asking their parents? Um, They just moved in a few months ago, so I'm not going to bug them about their parenting yet. But at some point, like, well, that'd be more than different than bugging them. That'd be complimenting. <laughs> yeah. Them, right? Well, I, yeah, I think. Um. Yeah, I would like to compliment them. Like, I was like, your kids seem like good kids, and they seem like well engaged in a variety of things. And I think that's, I think it's more so the variety. I think screens can be a part of that equation, but it's just not being the only part of that equation. What do you think dampens you or, or stops you from reaching out to them? just in a casual sense for that or, or some other thing just to interact with them. Um, well, we interact, like we chat, we chat about different things, but it's kind of one of those things where like, for me, I feel like there's some sort of social, like it's either anxiety or boundary on like, like part of me feel like I do think their kids are good kids, but something about me feels weird, like complimenting people's kids. Like not that should be a bad thing, I just feel like maybe like maybe they don't need my opinion on their kids and maybe they'd appreciate it. Maybe they wouldn't, but do I need to voice that? I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I don't see any reason it should be bad. And I guess more so than giving them your opinion, I'm in my mind, I'm framing it like asking them for their advice. Oh, I think that is, I think asking right. for advice, I, th I feel more open about. I think it's really cool that your kids don't use their screens very much. How'd you do it, man? You got to yeah, tell me a yeah. secret. <laughs> yeah, no, I I would like to ask that question. I feel um comfortable doing that. Like I'm I usually don't have much of an issue asking other people for advice because I think it's whatever they say, it's valuable. Do you have a you said social boundaries? Do you have a strong sense of social boundaries? Do you do, like are they something you think about very often or do you need to set boundaries with people or like, are you aware of them or is, um, I generally don't think about them. I generally, or at least I see myself as like often in groups, I'm generally pretty quiet. Like I like to generally like listen to people and voice my opinion or ideas when I feel like it's beneficial to the group, but in general, just, like, I have no problem being in a group and not saying much. Like it's interesting to listen to people and hear what other people think and feel. I'm pretty, I'm not super biased about most things, so I like just hear people's opinions and see what they're thinking. Did you ever think about the fact that you might be smarter than a lot of the people that you're listening to? I think it, for me, um, it totally depends on the group. Like... I think um, I think there's something, I think it's a really interesting thing to think about if you're smarter than someone, depending on whatever, like... On a specific topic, obviously. Yeah, like on a specific topic, yeah. I feel like you'll hear someone talking about someone and be like, okay, like, you might not know a ton about this topic you're talking about, I might know more, but part of me also wants to hear what you think, even if you don't maybe have a great understanding of it, just because I find it kind of interesting to see like oh like you obviously have no idea what you're talking about but what do you think like it could be interesting maybe like 
if something is very, I will find myself occasionally if something is very blatantly wrong, maybe like, yeah, like actually I think like this might be like kind of trying to lead in the right direction, not trying to shut someone down or make them feel like they're wrong, but maybe nudge in what, and I think there's some things where you can say like, no, this is right. That is wrong. There's lots of things where it's more of a gray area. Do you ever have to stand up for someone or yourself? Do you, do you ever get in a situation where someone is bullying you or someone else or just not being respectful and you feel like you have to speak up with more of a I, more yeah. masculinity and kind of put your foot down? Yeah, I think like every once in a while, like for me, it seems like I think someone really has like for me, it's a pretty far line for someone to be out of line enough to write like, all right, like, no, like. You can't talk like that. You can't say that. I feel like it probably happens to me like a handful of times a year, like one to five times maybe. Like, And it's probably more like one once or twice a year there'll be a situation where I'm in where I'm like, no, like this is not all right. And it's usually, it's usually just someone being ridiculous. Like and it's usually not towards me because I normally don't get mad at people for saying whatever to me. It's usually someone else that I care about someone saying something that's either extremely disrespectful or insulting. And then I feel more of a need to say something about that. Hmm. I'd say it happens mostly like if someone's saying t- something to like a close friend of mine, or maybe the close friend is in there and they're talking about somebody. And it's like, mm, that's like not all right with me. And then I'll say something, but in reality, it very rarely happens. And I think that's probably partially due to, the people I'm around, like it's just not something that happens very much. And I think being in a smaller community with a closer group of people, you probably don't see as much as if I was in a larger community with more people and more varying opinions. Do you feel like people in this town are fairly genuine? Like, do you think everyone gets along and everyone is as good of friends as they, they act like? Um, I think it totally depends on the person, the group. I think there's like, I think that's just a lot of different social dynamics going on there where I think. Right. But you can, like you were saying that in this, in this community, it doesn't really happen because it's a small community. So that would imply that everyone gets along really well. Yeah. I think in public, at least Yeah, I think in front of each other, in public face to face, I think people here are generally pretty cordial and respectful of other people where like, at least like spending minimal time in larger cities and stuff i think just because you have a more spread dynamic and more people in general people are willing to be more confrontational just because they don't see you like i think since the size of the community is smaller you see people often enough no one wants to be aggravating or um disagree as much as they might want to in a place where like you're in a huge community. You don't see people that often. You don't think it's as much of an issue to be whatever you feel like at a given time. That I think disagree is the key word for me. And do you think disagreeing is a, do you have, do you think disagreeing has a positive or negative connotation or is it neutral? Um, I think disagreeing as it is, is might seem negative, but I think, I think disagreeing is a good thing. Like I, like from an overall standpoint, I think people should disagree. Like 
Are you willing to disagree with someone on something that you're knowledgeable on in public? Yeah, I am. Like, I I um, will disagree with people on things. I am also have no problem with us continuing to disagree. Like, we don't need to agree on everything, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We can both think we're right and disagree and move on. Like, I think the key part is not holding an emotional... Like, or two, like, obviously, like, you have your opinions, you should stand to them. But if you disagree with someone, you should also have the ability to, like, agree on other things. Just because you disagreed on one thing doesn't mean you disagree with this person on everything. Like, you should be able to still, like, not necessarily compromise on whatever you disagree on, but compromise as people that disagreement's all right. We don't need to hate each other because we disagreed on something like we can still talk about other things talk about what we disagree on because i think because you disagreed at one time doesn't necessarily mean you'll disagree all the time like yeah i i think it is important to disagree um do you do you spend more time reading or listening to podcasts well I probably spend more time reading because I, right now I hardly listen to podcasts. I'll listen to one occasionally. I find when I'm working, I can't really listen to them because I can't really multitask to pay attention to what I'm listening to and focus on what I'm doing. So I'll find the times when I listen to podcasts is normally like long car drives. I can listen to podcasts while I'm biking or running by myself. And then I'll actually listen to it and pay attention. But I also, like, most of the podcasts I listen to are I find someone that I'm interested in, what they do, or what, like, it's generally I listen to athlete podcasts, like, someone that I'm interested in and I want to hear just more about them. Yeah, you learn, you see the personal side of this famous or this Yeah, this whoever ex- it is. Like, amazing athlete. Yeah, right. this person's really good at something. I just want to hear them talk about whatever and... Like, see what's interesting about it. I also just, I feel like people have been listening to um, Huberman Lab all the time. I don't know if you've ever listened to him, but... I don't think I have. He's um he's a neuroscientist professor at Stanford. And his is all, like, health-related stuff. And I most of the podcasts I listen to are health-related because I don't know a ton. And I think it's interesting. I think it's good to understand things about your body and how they affect you and influence you. And... I've honestly just started listening to him and like the one I listened to is about sleep and like ways to help you sleep. And like, what what was the lowest hanging fruit that you found there? Um, like it's a lot of it's reducing your exposure to light late in the day. The one thing that was kind of interesting is like increasing your exposure to light early in the day. Cause you're kind of setting up your carcadium. Yeah. Rhythm. There's better words for it than I was going to use, but like you're, head's clock as you're kind of setting up like what it thinks are the hours for which you're awake. I think it's circ- yeah, I was circadian thinking that in my mind. Yeah, I think it's like, circadian. Yeah, circadian. Carcadian. I can, I gotta, I could probably, I could get close to spelling the word but saying it. But yeah, like, and I thought that was interesting like for how you can help regulate that because I'll find like sleeping's good. When I sleep better, I feel better. And I'll find like some nights where I'm like trying to go to sleep I'm just like wide awake. And like, maybe I like maybe I did, maybe I didn't drink caffeine late in the day. Not sure why, but 
the more I could avoid being wide awake at the time when I want to go to sleep and actually fall asleep at that time, that would just be beneficial for me in general. So sleep's something that interested me. So I listened to a podcast about it and I feel like I know a little bit more than I did before. Other than sleep, is there any, is there anything else that you're trying to do to improve your general health? Um, well, like I like to try to be physically active as often as I can. Like, for me, that's... Right, but you're pretty... Like, what about improving it, right? Are you trying to be more physically active? Um, Yeah, like, recently I've been... Like, not... I think um, more or different. Like, I don't think I'm spending more time doing activities. I'm just changing some of the things about how I go about them. In the last year, I've gotten... Like, I've always biked a bunch. I like skiing, but can't ski around, so... Do that in the winter when it snows. and. Skiing for me, I feel like, is different physically active. Like, yes, you are doing something, but I'm not tired, like, from a day of skiing like I might be. If I went and biked for whatever six hours that I could ski for, I would be demolished. Yeah. Like, it's... So I think more of what I've been doing now is um, trying to do more cardiovascular activity. Like, and it doesn't have to be hard. Just move blood, breathe. Focus and like I've always been um pretty bad at nose breathing. Like it's just never been something that I've done very much. So now I found myself I'll go on a lot of um really slow runs, like barely moving, but don't let my mouth open. Like mm-hmm. just breathe through my nose for the entire thing. Don't care about how fast I'm going or how long it takes. Like just do some amount of miles just breathing through my nose. And that for me has made it like I can never, I think I've always been like most of the time when I sleep, I breathe through my mouth and now I can breathe through my nose while I sleep. And do you I, think you have you achieved that? You've like, I can mostly, I, I'm, I'm asleep. You don't wake up with like a dry mouth. No, yeah. Like, but like, I can like, before like I would fall asleep actively, like breathing through my mouth, where I now gotcha. I can like at least lay there with my just breathing through my nose and at least fall asleep. If my mouth opens during the night, no idea. <laughs> I've recently started taping my mouth shut while I sleep. Yeah, and that's what people say for like running too when they're trying to get better at nose breathing. They'll tape their mouth shut and like, and it like forces them because you'll find everyone's so like, it's air. <laughs> you really need it. You really want it. So like, when you start to get a little bit out of breath instead of slowing down, you're very tempted to just take a couple breaths through your mouth. So have you learned about this like nose breathing and? the different types of cardio exercise and the different things you're focusing on from podcasts mainly or from reading or yeah, mostly talking to friends podcasts or like reading like athletes, like things, athletes post like blogs or whatever, like things people say about like, Oh, this is what I do. And like reading it. And like, I think it was, um, uh, well, Killian Jornet, Jornet, however you say his last name, he posted something about like his year of training before he did whatever ridiculous runs he does. And I think he's the one who, like, had something about, like, oh, I'll go on, like, whatever. Most of my runs I do, like, breathing through my nose. I was like, that's interesting. Like, didn't really think about that. And then, like, looked into a little bit and, like, lots of people do that. It's a good way. It's a good thing to do. It's a good idea. Yeah. So I just started, like, I was like, well, that's, I I can breathe through my nose. That's something I can try to do. And I think it's just, like, iron those things in. And then seeing how it works for you. Like, for me, it's. 
seem like a good thing. I'm guessing that one's probably good for most people, but I'm sure there's some people where breathing through the nose is just horrible and doesn't work. It's interesting how much like if someone has a good reputation based on like achievement yeah all you need is one little snippet of advice from them and it it gets you what probably took them years to figure out but because of their credentials and who they are it's like it can be an instagram post and it all of a sudden is like oh holy crap i never like yeah, I should totally just focus on nose breathing. Yeah, and it's like it's almost funny because just because he's a an ex- or whoever's an exceptionally good athlete or really good at something doesn't actually mean they know anything about what they're talking about. But it does mean that there's a high probability that they are, are doing, not lying and that this yeah. technique has allowed them to achieve whatever they've achieved. They're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> like at some point they're doing something that's obviously working for them and maybe it's worth trying out or looking into. Have you, have you ever thought, do you think you'll ever start a business? Um, I, I'm not sure. I'd like to at some point, but I'm in no rush. Do you see yourself as like, do you have, do you see yourself as a founder, as like a leader, as like being, being like, I don't see Do you myself want that as the responsibility. Well, that's a hard one. Like I could see if I had a strong enough thing or belief in whatever said business was, I think I could do that. But I more so see myself as being someone who starts a business with a group. Like I don't need to be the sole person. I'd like to find a group of people who equally believe in something and I don't need to be the, if there was, if there has to be one person who's the founder, I don't need to be that person, but I'd like to start something from the ground up with a group of people who believe in something. Do you know many people, do you know anyone that you think would fall into that group or has what it takes um, to be a part of that group? I have some friends I've talked to about these kind of things. And I think we all like we've chatted about recently and we all are kind of, we think it's valuable right now that we got just go, we all go experience things and try to form the idea, but we all like the idea of at some point getting together when there when one of us, multiple of us, someone's found something that they're like, "Hey, this would be I think we could do this, and I think this is a good idea." And then we'd see who in that group is like, "Yeah, let's do this." Maybe some people be like, "Nah." Like, I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm content with where I'm at. I think it's really interesting that we spend all this time in engineering school solving problems, but we don't spend hardly any time defining problems, which that's what you do when you start a business. You just, you define the problem you're going to solve. Either explicitly you do it consciously or implicitly sub, you just, you just, you're thinking, if you, if you're thinking about the product, then you're implicitly defining the problem you're going to solve. Yeah, I think um yeah, I think like I think the reason they do school how it's done is cuz it's easier to give someone a problem and have them solve it. Or like that question of finding the problem is really hard. Right. Or yeah, not easy to Right. That's find a problem then solve it. It's easy to be like, well, solve all these problems, you're building up a skill set to solve problems, but the finding the problem is because there's so difficult. many things that go into like it's 
it's kind of the holy grail of learning, right? Yeah. Learning to define the problem that's important to solve. Mm -hmm. And like what I always like, what blows my mind, I can't understand is how the people who came up with all the physics that we just do, how they even got like to that point, like to be able to like just see something happen and like, well, I, th I think, I mean, obviously I have tremendous respect for what they did, but I think it's almost like in some ways it's, it's probably, well, I, f I feel like it comes down to curiosity, right? It comes down to watching an apple fall from a tree and being like, wait, yeah, wait, what just why? happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think caring why. Yeah. It's right? a little bit of curiosity and imagination, like kind of in one, like you gotta yeah, see something happen and then like, imagine a world where it doesn't happen and then say, why does it? Yeah. Happen? Cause if you just accept that it happens and you don't have, you don't think, well, it, it could also not happen. Right. Then, yeah. So you have to like separate those two. And then, and I think part of me thinks that maybe like the barrier to entry to solving those problems has increased because, like, obviously, Newton, super smart guy, figured out tons of stuff that has helped everybody in crazy ways. And all those kind of people were way ahead of their time. But like seeing the apple fall, like, I think it seems pedestrian now, but that's because we're so used to gravity and what it is. But also like now to so many of these problems have been solved that I think to find the problem might have gone more difficult or maybe it's just a matter of looking. And I'm not sure what the answer is there because obviously like physical phenomenon, like these things were happening to tons of people before Newton decided, I want to figure out why this happens. Where I think some, like, and maybe the things that someone, like the great things that someone in our generation will solve are happening to all of us and we're just oblivious to it. But part of me also thinks maybe it's harder to find that problem now because not to say that other ones were easy, but a lot of physical phenomena have been solved. We're like now a lot of the research I think is on things that are hard to research, which makes it difficult to analyze and understand what's happening. Right. And I've, I mean, there's, there's a lot like society is a lot more complex. Like humanity is, is well, the, the civilization is more complex. Yeah. The things going on. But I almost, I, I almost feel like it's a matter of there's, it's like, it's like making sure it's just having good windshield wipers. There's all this shit hitting your windshield and you just got to sift through it. And it's actually going to be easier because there's so many problems to solve. And there's so much more, there's so many more tools for solving problems. But the hard part is figuring out what the hell to focus on and what is not like what, what rabbit hole to go down. Mm-hmm. Versus what to just ignore. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Like, the tools to find things and to analyze things are significantly better. And, like, the ability to measure things. But that's also, there's so much going on. And I think, and, like, like I think, like, 
civilization is very interesting. Like there's a lot of, I do not understand like the, you call it physics of a civilization or how now that we have so many people in so many different communities of different levels of things going on, I'm sure like people can try to understand and predict how things are going to go. And that's, I think that's really interesting, but I do not have at least my wipers were wiping the right things to have an idea of how you would do that. But I think it's really interesting to try predicting the flow of civilization and how people go about things or make decisions based on their environment and what's going on. And then also based on like, yeah, the environment, like what's around them. So I think like natural phenomenon is really interesting. I think you can kind of take the same lens to, civilization how we interact with each other and how people go about doing things right that i think that's a that's a good place to to jump into the final question which is normally what would what advice would you give yourself or someone who's in your who was in your shoes 10 years ago but for you we're going to change it up because we were talking about 2072 what advice do you think you would give yourself today when you're twenty seven when you're when you're seventy six years old in twenty seventy two? Um, well I like to think seventy six year old me would think or would advise myself to try things, like fail at things, try things. I think I personally learn more when I do badly at something or suck at something and then have the will to improve or make the decision. I don't want to get better at that. I think failure is at least for me, one of the biggest aspects of me growing and getting better at things. I need to be willing to try something and do badly at it and either make the decision. This isn't for me. I don't want to do this or find something where it's like, no, I actually, I do want to do this. I want to get better at it because at least for me, if, I don't need to be the best at something or great at something, but if I'm going to invest time in something, I at least want to give it a good try. Mm. Like invest, like don't, I don't need to invest all my time, but give it an effort. Like try to see what you can do. If you spend some time trying to do this and you, you want to fail hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you either want to succeed or yeah. fail hard. I don't want to <laughs> not try hard and then fail and be like, well, didn't try hard, whatever I failed. Like I want to at least like give it an effort and know I gave it a decent shot. So what are you gonna try? Um. Well, I did. Um. <laughs> right now, um, I'd like to at some point try to find things more. Um. Well, try to fill some things that are like bigger problems and more interesting. But right now, what I'm trying to see if I can fail at is. I ran my first marathon at the start of this month. Oh, cool. And that sucked a good amount, but I was also like, that was also kind of fun in a type two, like weird fun way. And you sounds like you didn't fail catastrophically. No, I finished it. So, that so was now me. you're going on to Ironman or triathlon? No, I just want to <laughs> just like keep running and just see what, um, what I find there. Like what's, What's maybe the point where I'm like, yeah, that was too much. That was a bad idea. I'd like to at some point try to run a marathon <laughs> faster than that first one just to see like if I run a little more, 
be like coming in and doing the six months prior to it and devote a little more of my time to it. Like how fast could I run that distance? And then I'd like to try to do some longer distance runs and see where too long is. That's cool, man. Well, congratulations on your first marathon. Yeah, it was fun in a weird way. <laughs> so is there anywhere that you want people to be able to find you? Um, Or would you rather just be incognito? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. I really appreciate it. And it was quite insightful. And you're, uh, you're great at opening up your mind and sharing with us. So thanks for being you. Yeah, thanks for trying. That was, um, that was interesting. Thank mm-hmm. you.